Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. As always, we like to say a few words before we jump into the podcast conversation. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening. Uh, This is most likely our last episode of 2022. We're going to take a little break for the holidays and we will be back in early January. Uh, Only thing that would change that if there's some kind of crazy announcement or patch that happens in the next week between the holidays, which I doubt. Uh, But if that is the case, you will hear back from us. And if not, uh, tune in to hear us back on the podcast in January. But I just wanted to give a great shout out and thank you to all the listeners. We've had thousands of listeners over the last seven months. This is our 45th episode. Uh, When I started this, I didn't you know, think we would get uh, this big, this fast, and, and I just really appreciate everyone taking the time to support and uh, leave comments and leave feedback and uh, and enjoy the podcast. I, I will ask, if you, if you haven't done this yet, uh, if you are listening to the podcast on something like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast, follow the podcast, as well as please leave a uh, recommendation or a rating so that other people can find the podcast more easily. If you are listening to the podcast on YouTube, make sure you are subscribed to the Marvel Snap Zone YouTube account and that you are liking and commenting on the videos just to help with reach so that thousands more of people can find these uh, podcast episodes in the new year and can enjoy them as much as you do. Again, thank you so much for listening. Today we have a great conversation about the newest cards and the new location in Marvel Snap, as well as we talk about uh, deck archetypes. Uh, we do ask for some of your feedback on some of these questions, and we want to know your thoughts as as some of these conversations and ideas are developing. So make sure you go uh, message us on Twitter at can't underscore stop underscore snap, or you get find your way into the Marvel Snap Zone Discord, and we have some channels in there that are dedicated to the podcast. You can let your, us know your thoughts and responses to those questions there in the Marvel Snap Zone Discord. Without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. Today we have a great and interesting conversation for you. We're going to break down new locations, some new cards, as well as have an interesting conversation about archetypes. Uh, I am joined by our returning guest, Den. Den, thank you for being here. My pleasure. I'm always having fun being here. Yeah, uh, (laughs) glad to have you on. I know the people loved having you on the last couple times, so we are glad to have you back finally. So... Um, first things first, we want to, we want to dive into, uh, kind of our segment where we break down the newest location this week and the newest cards actually plural this week. We, we have two because of the Christmas and new year's holidays. So let, let's start off with a, a quick conversation about the newest location this week, Dan. Um, the new location this week is Vormir. Uh, Vormir is a loco- location that says the first card you play here is destroyed. Uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, essentially, if you play more than one card on a turn, uh, or more than one card at this location in a turn, only the first one you play here will be destroyed. Oh, actually, no, I'm reading this wrong. I'm reading this uh, kind of similar to the location next to it. It's just the first card you play here, period, not not based on turn. Is that how you interpret it? Uh, I think, but I am not sure. Yeah, it's not written every turn. So I guess it's just the first time you play on Vormir, it's death domain, and then it's nothing. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's kind of like a weaker death domain, depending on how you look at it. I mean, sometimes it's good. Maybe you only want to destroy one card there. But 
Um, yeah, you, you can't. Uh, my brain instantly went to kind of a uh, you know um, death style deck, or uh, more importantly, a death uh, or a Deadpool deck, right? I thought you're just gonna be able to kind of like death domain, put the put um, Deadpool here, uh, destroy it every turn, but then you could also put other cards here after Deadpool and have them not be destroyed. Um, which I guess you're going to be able to do. It's just you're only going to be able to destroy them once. So, so what what kind of synergies do you see with this location? Do you think there's any cards or types of decks people are going to play more on this location? Um, it's tricky to be honest because it's really difficult to assess like the first card. So, there are cards that just wants to be like one time destroys. Like can think of Bucky Barnes so that kind of cards where you just would destroy it and it's just two mana six. And like by the t- like during the time Vormir is uh, is the feature, maybe it's just a better lizard. Just pay yeah. to get a six power, have priority because of it. Th- that's the kind of card I would immediately think about. Uh, are there cards that have like a summoning ability, but the one summoning is worse than the one you summon? So you would want to kill the the first one, but keep the second one. Maybe like cards like I don't know, Mister Sinister or Brood, because yeah. you actually. In Patriot decks, you actually want what they summon, but they don't get uh, uh, affected by Patriot because the first body has an ability. Correct, correct. So they don't get that boost. Uh, Hood is an obvious one, right? Uh, Hood just goes into the Bucky Barnes category, definitely. Yep, yep. yep. So you play Hood down. Um, yeah, this is this is a trickier one. I mean, obviously, Lamentus was very clear kind of how people were going to approach that or I should say it became very clear after only a couple of hours. But um, yeah, this is an interesting one. I feel like it's not going to be as meta shifting or people playing kind of wild decks with it. I could be wrong, but um, it seems pretty straightforward. You just kind of want to utilize it maybe to get one boost, you know, whether that's you're blowing up a Nova or, you know, you're one of the cards you described, right? But um, yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how people play on this. Um but I don't think it'll shake up things too much, which is interesting. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a kind of a good thing because these locations stay for like forty eight hours. Um, I feel like people are still a little bit like shooked by what happened in Lamentus One, yeah. so maybe it's a good thing to actually have like not like dull locations because you can still do a lot of things with this, but like a little bit more like kind of a quiet one uh, where it's going to impact games, but it's not game defining where you have to abuse it. Otherwise you're just not going to win games. Yep. Yeah. That's very true. I mean, I think I like, I I like the idea of like a location where you get to like change the types of decks you're playing. I like that. I think that's fun. It's fun to see what people come up with, but lament has kind of took it to the extreme, right? Where, you had to play certain decks or you couldn't win and then 48 hours all all of a sudden feels like it's a month long right it feels so long and you're like is this ever going to end so uh doesn't seem like that'll be the case with this location and that's probably the best balance to keep going forward yeah i think like otherwise they should uh reverse the way they're releasing locations and maybe release them on sunday where you only have 20 hours uh, 24 hours um and then it's just really crazy but it's not that long i feel like 48 hours if you're not enjoying the location and everyone else is abusing it a lot of people have mentioned on social media like i'm just going to take a break and come back on thursday yep yep which 
a lot of people could take a break and come back on Thursday, but the the worry from like the game developer perspective is what if people stop playing for two days and start playing another game and then they you know they don't want to come back at all, right? And they just kind of get out of the yeah. The, that, the habit that, of that's the whole point of of the card game industry, like because there's that uh, collection aspect, like you want people to be hooked to your game and not give them chances to actually see what's available outside of it. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to drive them away um, with this kind of a situation. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. We'll see what people come up with with this location. Uh, shifting our gears to the new cards. Again, we have two new cards this week. Uh, we're now in a period of the release where we're going to be having you know one new card a week, but that is changing this week because of the holidays. So we are essentially getting whatever would have been the card next week, this week as well. So we have two cards here. Let's talk about the first one, uh, which is Dark Hawk. Dark Hawk is a four-cost, one-power card with the ability that reads Ongoing plus two power for each card in your opponent's deck. So, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is the first card we have that's buffed uh, directly on the size of your opponent's deck, or even your own deck. I don't know if we have another card that's buffed. Uh, I think it's the first one based on deck. Like, we had Ronin, which was opponent's hand. Dinosaur was your own hand. Uh, I don't think we've had deck yet. Yeah. So, and it's exciting. Yeah. So, so what what are your immediate thoughts? What what does this open up that we haven't seen before? So, a little of shameless plug, but I actually wrote an entire article. Like, I spent my my night working on Darkhawk, and uh, it's really difficult because the effect is something that we've never had. It's not that easy uh, for a card that at first is gonna cost six thousand uh, collector's uh, tokens. Yep. To think like I don't think anyone can say go ahead, invest into it, or please stay away from it. Like, the effect is new, so someone has to pay the 6000 and test it for everyone else to really know uh, how good it can be. Yeah. But there are there are things in the game which make it look promising. Uh, the rocks, like Korg and Rock Slide, yep. uh, are making the, the deck, like, bigger. Um, there's Black Widow, like, the opponent doesn't draw for at least minimum a turn, and if you're really nasty, you just Black Widow and wave at the same time. And usually they don't even play the Widow's Bite. Um, and otherwise, like something I'm really excited about uh, Darkhawk is the current metagame. Like, there are cards in the current metagame, like Tor, for example, which are growing your opponent's deck. And they do it on purpose. They actually help you. They basically give you plus two on your Darkhawk. So there are like some synergies here and there that you can abuse. And... The good thing is most of these synergies are unrevealed, and the card is an ongoing. And it's probably the two synergies with the most support in the entire game, uh, because we can think of cards like Wong, Mystique, Auden, Onslaught, Absorbing Man. Uh, there are a ton of cards to help like unreveal and ongoing decks. So if you dig a little bit, there are a lot of really crazy synergies. Um, and the last one that I'm really excited about is actually one that's not available yet. It's uh, Sabu which is going to be the next battle uh, pass card, mm-hmm. uh, which has a direct synergy with four-cost cards, and uh, both cards we're getting this week are actually four-cost. That's very interesting. I wonder if that was intentional, just their ordering here, because kind of creating that combo. Yeah, a lot of interesting thoughts. I mean, I, I think one thing to note, right, uh, the cards that are buffed by hand size, We hand size is limited to seven cards, whether that's you or your opponent, yes. right? Deck size is not limited, right? Uh, I mean, we know District X at least gets it to 10, and Thanos, like when you play Thanos, you go up to 15, 14? Yep. 
So yeah, we for now at least we know we can get to fifty. Yep. Minimum. That's true. That's true. They may introduce a oh okay twenty is the max or something like that or fifteen is the max. Uh, but as of right now, you know, we, we haven't been told there is one. So I think that's interesting, right? So maybe this one has a little bit more versati- versatility down the road, especially as there may be more cards that at, that are added to the game that synergizes uh, over time. Um, and if that's the case, you know, Darkhawk only gets stronger. But but like you said, I mean, playing a Rock Slide and then the next turn playing an Absorbing Man, all of a sudden you're throwing four cards into your opponent's deck. That's eight power to Darkhawk, right? Uh, yeah, and... And also, like, it's not just growing Darkhawk. I mean, your opponent drawing rocks yes. is a pain. Like, that that's the big thing about the card is it's difficult to assess. But if you just push a little bit, there's a lot of, uh, like, it's kind of a cascade effect. Like, you're like, oh, I'm growing Darkhawk, but I'm also disrupting my opponent. And they're drawing bad cards and stuff, stuff, stuff. And it kind of adds up. Yeah. So, so it kind of makes uh, deck disruption more than like hand disruption kind of more of a play style uh potentially more and more down the road as more people unlock this card and play with it right yeah like finally that kind of style because i mean rock slide i've i've been researching for a tier list for months and i haven't seen rock slide ever (laughs) sorry sorry for the card um but these synergies like have existed but the big problem was you're disrupting your opponent but you're not really winning you're just being annoying now yep. we finally has a card that is saying, hey, here are the points. Yep, yep. So it could kind of accomplish both things, which is great. Um, well, yeah, so it's a great conversation. Interesting interesting card for sure. I, I'm excited to see, like you say, I think uh, I'm going to be tuning in to some streams today, tomorrow, over the next couple of days to to see who unlocks uh, Darkhawk and, and how their games go with him, right? Uh, yeah, it's 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 really that. Like, I really hope. Like, I don't know if it's possible. I don't think it will exist. But like the day of the release, maybe they add like one two percent uh, to actually get the card in um, in the in the in the loot crates, uh, yep. the collector's caches, uh, just so we make it that I don't know, maybe like 15, 20 people open the card uh, without paying for it, and it might create a little buzz in the community, and we actually have a shot at looking at it. Because I feel like a lot of people, they're not going to purchase the brand new cards when they have to pay 6,000 tokens. And rather, they're going to go after the cards that they have uh, information about, that they know are working, because it's really scary. I mean, it's like three weeks a month worth of savings. Like, that's a lot. Yep. No, that's a very good point. I, I mean, I feel similarly, right? Like, um you know, when Noel came out, I was thinking, okay, do I want to go for this one? I'm kind of targeting this other one. I have this other one pinned right now I'm saving up for. Um, and, and I went and watched other people play with it, right? And that's kind yeah. of how I just determined what I wanted to do. And so um, that's kind of the reality we're in right now, right? That's kind of how people are handling the situation and handling the new uh, economy with collector's tokens. So... Hey all, I wanted to take a quick moment to talk to you about MarvelSnapZone.com. Marvel Snap Zone is a one-stop shop for everything Marvel Snap on the internet. They have new articles nearly every day that cover deck building, strategy, card breakdowns, etc. They have a great collection tracker tool and a decklist builder that works off of that collection tracker so that you can know what decks you can build with your current card collection. They have guides and deck lists for all level players and all collection level players. 
make sure to go to marvelsnapzone.com and check it out now. Shifting our thoughts to the second card this week. Interesting we get two. Sentry, uh, like you said, is another four-cost card. It is an eight-power card. So similar stat line to Crossbones and some of the other four-cost cards that can get up to that power. Uh, It reads, cannot be played at the right location on reveal at a negative eight power void to the right location. This is an interesting one. Uh, What are your initial thoughts here? I had a lot of like faces about Sentry. I was like, oh my God, so many combos. And then I was like, but when we don't combo, we basically abandon right. And then I was kind of in the middle of both. And similarly to, to Darkhawk, like there are there are some obvious like support cards like Viper is absolutely insane if you give like it's Obgoblin, basically you give a minus eight to your opponent. Um Carnage, basically anything that destroys except for Venom, um can benefit from it. Um th- like th- there are ways to, to think about it, but minus eight is such a huge number that every time you're like summoning sentry and you actually don't get the cards to punish the opponent with the void and you actually only have two turns to do so because sentry comes uh, uh, on turn four you're just like am i just abandoning a location when i play this card and this is such a scary thought yeah it's it's very interesting um i'm trying to find right now as we're talking uh what cost is the void is it a four cost card yes it's a it's literally a reverse sentry four cost okay. minus eight okay which obviously you know i don't think they would have been crazy enough to make it a one cost right because then it's all of a sudden you can just kill monger yeah you just kill, kill monger it and never talk about it anymore yeah so th- that makes a lot of sense they're they're limiting they're making sure you have to play something like viper or you have to carnage it or you have to do you know one of several things right to to deal with it um Interesting card for sure. I'm curious, you know, it has a similar stat line to Crossbones, right? Uh, I mean, it has the the exact same stat line. Uh, But I wonder if, what are your thoughts? Like, which would be kind of the more versatile card? Because Crossbones doesn't have that much of a downside other than you have to play it at a location that you're winning, which in a lot of cases is very doable. Um, Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I'm going to give the edge to Sentry just because Crossbones already is in the game and nobody uses it. Mm. Uh, that's, so I uh, guess that's very that, <laughs> my, my doubt tells me to just pick Sentry just in case. Because unfortunately for Crossbone, I mean, yeah, he, he had time. He has been in the game forever, I think. He, he wasn't added or anything. He's been here from the start. And he can like forever lost to cards like Jessica Jones and other stuff. So I guess I have to pick Sentry just because of that. Um, but also, I mean, uh, Safety Blade, another writer at Marvel Snap Zone, made several decks with the card, and uh, there are some uh, some ideas that actually can be interesting um, around the fact that you actually abandon the the right location. Um, but yeah, for now, honestly, while Dark Hawk, I have seen decks where I was like, I don't know if it works, but if it works, I want to play the card. I haven't seen like the big spark about Sentry where I was like, oh yeah, that's how we play it. Like I'm still looking for it to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. 
an interesting card. I, I think this one's a little a little harder to dissect than Darkhawk when we compare the two both coming out. Um, like you say, we, we really can't... We can only theorycraft so much until we actually see these cards in action, right? Um, yeah. But I, I'm interested to see who goes for what tonight. Uh, at the time of recording, I should say, uh, these cards will release tonight. And so uh, over the next couple of days, we will see what people come up with and we'll see how these start to fall into some of the decks and archetypes we know and maybe start to kind of form some other play styles or combinations that we haven't seen yet. So um, very interesting. I mean, we're seeing we're seeing the, the uniqueness of Marvel Snap, right? Dropping cards uh, one or two at a time versus big card releases like we're used to with most other card games. And uh, we're just kind of constantly seeing people come up with new ideas or rework old ideas. And that's very different, right? We're seeing this on a weekly basis. So uh, very exciting to be a part of, though. Yeah, as long as they're going to release cards that uh, make us wonder, that pushes us to be creative, I think this system is great. The The problem will come if at some point they they start lacking cr creativity or making like exciting cards. And if we start not caring about the new releases, that might be a problem. But for now, I think what they're doing is on point. Yep, agreed. Great. Let's let's shift our, to our our topic and our thoughts again. So uh, it's been over a month now, but you reached out to me with an idea, uh, something you were kind of working on, thinking about, and that was archetypes in Marvel Snap. Um, you know, they are different than other games, and I think you know, in, in our previous conversations, you and me and have you and me have had, and conversations I've had with other guests on the podcast, we're always talking about comparing Marvel Snap to other games, right? It's just in our nature. We've all played other games, and it's kind of our reference point, right? We've played other games for years, and so we say, oh, this thing is new in Marvel Snap. How does this compare to Hearthstone or Legends of Terra or Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon or Magic, right? Uh, all of these things out there. Um, and sometimes when things are drastically different, it's a little hard for us to uh, kind of grasp them at first or to compare them to something. So Archetypes was kind of one of those... Um, topics, right? Because everybody wants to say, oh, well, you know, a lot of the card games have similar styles and uh, have similar archetypes. And so it's very easy to talk about those to somebody. Uh, but Marvel Snap's a little different. So kind of wanted to turn it over to you and just kind of lay the stage here for our conversation. Um, what are your thoughts on archetypes? What are the archetypes? How do you break them down in Marvel Snap? And how do you understand them? So first, if you don't mind, I'll kind of explain why I think we can't use other games archetypes in Marvel Snap. And that's because Marvel Snap limits the game to six turns. Like in most games, archetypes are built depending on which stage of the game they're strong at. Like aggressive decks are early game decks. Mid-range decks are going to be really good at generating cards from the early to the early late Kind of, kind of point in the game. Control decks, we expect them to be like kind of attrition strategies. They want to go late in the game. Combo decks don't really have any specific moment where they are strong, but they're trying to assemble something. So, except for combos, I feel like aggro, mid-range, control, they just don't fit Marvel Snap. Every single deck needs to be able to play for six turns. So there's not really a deck that can say, I'm good on turn one and two, and then I'm just meh for the rest yeah there's there are decks that obviously are stronger on five and six but that's just every single deck like 
every single deck is stronger on turn two than he was on one, stronger on three than he was on two, four than three, because you have more energies. So the game pushes you to scale to do more things. So I think the way we view archetypes just doesn't work. And actually, I don't think there is an archetype terminology in Marvel Snap. Like the way we call decks, we either call them by cards or we call them by synergies. Like we call it Wong on reveal. We call it Death Wave. We call it uh, Sarah Miracle. We call it Mr. Negative or Negative Surfer. Like there aren't words to say like this deck is good at this. For now, the way we call decks is this deck has these cards in it. Yeah. And I think there's way to explore and have a terminology that actually gives information about the deck. For example, like we could call them uh, based on their relation to snapping. Is it a hand snapping deck, which is a deck that's going to snap early if he has a good hand and that's going to stay quiet and maybe even retreat if he has a bad one? Is it a counter deck, which is a deck that's going to snap based on his opponent and if you manage to see a counter, I don't know, like you have a Shang-Chi, you have an Enchantress, you have a Cosmo, and you anticipate the card to be extremely good against your opponent, you're going to snap. Like, I think these kind of things would give much more information as to what the deck is trying to accomplish and make it much easier to teach, to give information about decks rather than the way we're doing right now. Very interesting thought. Uh, that makes a lot of sense, what you're saying. And, and I think one of the greatest challenges uh, I face, you know, I have faced, uh, I face it repeatedly on and off, and, and other players face is when to snap and how to play your deck from a um, kind of an escalation, bluffing, betting perspective, right? With the snap yeah. mechanic. Uh, it's challenging, right? Because somebody may be playing a deck quote unquote right right and in the right way that somebody tells them other than the fact they're not snapping correctly right um so they may or not snapping at all because exactly. they're scared exactly so they may be playing cards in a way that is, will allow them to win based on what their opponent's doing but they're going to either walk away with one cube or two cubes right and yeah i think that's one of the biggest challenges for people climbing and ranked right uh it's been a challenge for me right i think i go through phases where I play a little more aggressively and I, I really get, you know, I, I focus down and, and I try to intentionally snap. Um, sometimes when I'm playing just uh, on a commute or kind of I'm only half paying attention to when I'm playing, I'm doing something else, right? And maybe I'm multitasking. Uh, my snapping is horrible, right? Because uh, I'm I'm not wholly focused. But when I'm very focused on what, what I'm playing and, and how the game is going, uh, my snapping gets better. So I think that's another thing, kind of the focus and understanding what is happening uh, will allow you to be better at that. So, so very interesting thought. So, um, so you, you, you know, kind of, kind of like you said, you think that if we were to kind of shift our mentality and talk about decks in this way, it could be really an education piece, right? And help people to understand how to play better. Yeah, because like the way we're doing it now, we're talking about key cards. But like, let's say I'm talking to you about negative surfer. Yeah, there's Mr. Negative, there's Silver Surfer in the name. All right, I got the fact that they're the important cards. What do I do with it now? Like, yeah. how do I know I'm supposed to snap if I have both in hand? How do I know I'm supposed to play Silver Surfer on six? How do I know um, Mr. Negative is the real key card in the deck and Silver Surfer comes in second? Like, all these informations aren't in the, in the name. Well, like, I'm just going to say, like, where am I in the... Where am I in my... Um, 
thinking process around this. But if we said like negative surfer is a hand snap deck, hand snap, like you understand that it's a deck that's going to snap based on its hand. I look at my turn one, turn two, I see Silver Surfer, Mr. Negative, and Psylocke in the hand. I'm like, yeah, I'm snapping this. I don't care who you are. I don't care what's in front of me. I'm going to win this game because my hand is golden. Yep. That's exactly what so, you need. Yeah. So I think like there are ways to, to do it better. And for now, I have four names. Like if, if you want me to share those, like I've been trying to work on it, but I've been a little stuck after these four. But uh, to me, like aggressive decks in other games, I would call them early snappers. So basically, it's a deck that is trying to unbalance the game earlier in the, in the, in the match. So probably seizing priority, uh, developing cards that are either worth a lot of points or set up for a lot of points. And so you tend to want to snap between turn one and turn three, especially against decks that are going to leave you priority and they're going to try to counter you. They're going to see all that pressure come and they might be like, all right, I don't want to see the rest of the game because I'm not sure I can counter it. So you should be able to get away with either a lot of early retreats. So even though you're not getting a lot of cubes, you're playing like two or three turn games. So, I mean, a three turn game is basically a two cubes, six turn game. Yeah. Um, or if your opponent stays, that's going to give you a lot of information because it means that they're confident. It means that they might have a counter to something that's going to help you make decisions later on. So I'm not really sure about the names, but it's more about what they mean. So early snapper would be the first one. The second one, we just talked about it. It's hand snapper. Just there are decks that when they have a certain hand, usually their combo decks, uh, they should snap. Like when you're playing a negative deck and you have Psylocke into negative, you should snap. That's just the way the deck is built. Uh, when you have, uh, I'm just going to say something like random, but when you have a Sarah Miracle deck and you have Sarah in your opening hand, don't wait until turn five and dropping Sarah to snap. You can snap on two, you can snap on three, like Sarah isn't going to go away. Yep. These kind of things. So then like the only archetype I would keep is control and we could even call it control or counter, but it's basically the idea that your game plan revolves around punishing the opponent. So you're not going to snap based on you. You're going to snap based on the opponent. If you recognize a pattern that you know your deck is really good against, you snap. If you, re if you don't recognize it or you know it's something your deck is not equipped, you just leave. Yep. And then one that I think is the easiest for me, it's a name that actually already exists, but it's called Location Decks. But it's not location in the sense like the location in the game. I just add a K. So it's the word lock plus Asian just to make it location. Um, and that's just because it exists in Marvel Snap. Like, the game is played with locations, and there are decks which are aiming at preventing the opponent from playing where they want or playing completely. Like, I mean, we've seen decks with, like, Storm, Spider-Man, Professor X, stuff like that, and the goal is just, my opponent's not going to play this game. Just I, don't, I want them to be miserable. Mm -hmm. So, and I think, for example, this is an archetype that only exists in Marvel Snap. You cannot play your location deck in any other game. Yeah, this is uh, very interesting. I, I think that's a, a very good organization structure because um, essentially, you know, everything you just said, like I've played and I've learned pieces, but it's hard to put it into words, right? Because yep. as you've said, you know, how do we how do we denote decks and their play styles? It's by one to two cards in the title, right? Uh, 
we usually say, okay, yeah, this is the combo or this, these are the cards you're playing together. Um, uh, yeah. And, and like, for example, like this week's tier list was a great example of it. Like I had a ton of people come and ask me why isn't the leech leader deck in the tier list? It's in there. Like literally it's in there. It's just that leech is a tech card that was added to another deck. Leech does not make or break the deck. Leech makes or break some decks in the current metagame because it counters them. And if we had a terminology for that archetype, which I call like priority archetypes, which are just decks that are aiming at taking the priority and abusing it because they have cards with arrow, leader, and cards that are just much better when you have priority, like I don't think that question would have existed. People would have been like, oh yeah, that's a priority deck. And in the priority deck currently, Leech is a really good card. But by calling the deck Leech Leader, every time someone isn't seeing Leech plus Leader in the deck, they're immediately, that's not the same deck. Even if the 11 other cards are the same. Yeah. Very, very helpful. Uh, I guess is what I can say as, as we're having this conversation. Uh, my brain is churning, you know, at a, mi- a thousand miles a second thinking of, okay, what decks do I like to play? What, Which one of these kind of archetypes or thought patterns does, does that fall into? And it's helping me, you know, kind of recognize and put into words some of my pitfalls with certain of certain of these decks. I think I'm I'm better at snapping and playing with certain styles of decks, um, be, because I'm uh, because I'm kind of thinking through without having put words on it yet until now, as you are, uh, of how to do these things, right? Um, as I'm playing kind of a, a deck that's throwing off my opponent, right? Kind of uh, with more tech cards and stuff like that, right? Like, I snap when I see, oh, they laid down the perfect thing that I can counter, right? I'm going to snap, right? And they may stay in, they may leave, uh, but my hope is they stay in, right? Because they're they're thinking they have the upper hand, but what they don't know is I have the perfect two counter cards to what they're doing, right? Um, So sometimes I feel like I'm a lot better at snapping in that style of a deck, right? What you would call, you know, control. Um, But sometimes when it's the, the hand combo, the hand snap deck, Right. I personally think I get a little more scared of snapping. Right. Um, I know I should, but I think I feel a little more intimidated. And sometimes I wait too long. Right. I wait till, oh, uh, four, five, six to snap. But then, of course, my opponent's just going to leave at that point. Right. Because it's maybe more obvious to them what I'm doing uh, and they know that they can't beat it, etc. And so, OK, I got one cube. I could have had two probably if I didn't snap. Right. Um, so. I think this these kinds of ideas can be very helpful for players who want to kind of improve, play better on the ladder, climb faster, um, in organizing uh, decks into kind of these strategies or these archetypes. So, I mean, we could use many descriptive words here. I think it can be very helpful for learning the ins and outs of the game and the snapping mechanic. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, very appreciated. And uh, I obviously wanted you to talk about it because I thought it'd be interesting for listeners. Uh, but it was very interesting for me as well, because I think this is basically all I'm going to think about for the rest of the day while I'm at work. Uh, so, well, uh, and honestly, like I've been stuck on the question for like a month. So if anyone, anyone has ideas, wants to contribute, has terminologies that they think would make sense, I am like welcoming any sort of idea. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, you heard Den. So if you have ideas, make sure to, to reach out to Den on Twitter. Make sure to, or you can tag the podcast that can't underscore stop underscore snap. 
and uh, you can let us know your thoughts. Uh, you know, this is something to help the community, and we and we want to kind of uh, see what people think about it and how they maybe would approach it slightly differently, or they would add or build to it. And these are things that could evolve over time, obviously, as we get more and more cards added to Marvel Snap. Uh, Den, before we go, as always, we do for our guests, I just want to give you a second, just uh, tell people where they can find you online, where they can uh, best support you, and where they can find uh, the uh, content that you're putting out. Um, so most of the things I do on Marvel Snap are either on Marvel Snap Zone uh, as uh, rated, uh, wrote pieces, Written? Written. Written yep. is the correct word, I'm sorry. Uh, written pieces. Or for uh, French people, I actually have a YouTube channel where um, I uh, play one or two games every morning uh, with my coffee. So it's just like a random dude that's just playing a game and just like commenting about it. But I speak French, so I usually don't advertise it about it so much. Otherwise, my main point, like my main activity is on Twitter um, at uh, den underscore ccg. Like, uh, I usually check that daily, especially when uh, articles are coming out in case people would have questions or comments. So I guess this is the, the easiest way to find me. Awesome. Thank you, Dan, and thanks again for being on. Pleasure. It was a, it was a great talk. Awesome. Listeners, uh, as we shouted out in the intro before the conversation, make sure to go check out the articles on marvelsnapzone.com. Uh, not only are some of them written by Dan, who we have here on the podcast today, but they're just very helpful in, um, you know, covering more in depth some of the topics we talk about on the podcast uh, that people are talking about uh, on social media. So make sure to go check those out, especially the articles about Dark Hawk and Sentry. Um, there's going to be, you know, theory crafting, deck ideas, uh, breakdowns of the cards, etc. Uh, over the coming days and weeks. So make sure you're going to MarvelSnapZone.com to, uh, you know, join in that conversation and and read uh, those ideas. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Can't Stop Snapping is a podcast written, recorded, produced, and hosted by Michael Thurman. Thanks for listening.